Hello and welcome to the MDS podcast, the podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. Today, we are going to listen to a new podcast issue for the MDS Community Conversations, in which Dr. Sarah Wallstrom Helgren interviews Professor Britt Mollenhauer from the Parkinson's Disease Specialized Hospital Paracelsus Helena Clinic in Kassel and Assistant Professor of Neurology at the University of Göttingen in Germany. She is also co-chair of the Basic Science Special Interest Group of the MDS, and we will hear a little bit about that during the conversation. In this interview, they will discuss a very interesting topic, the impact of COVID on research activity in movement disorders. Hello, and welcome to this edition of MDS Community Conversations. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Wallstrom Helgren. And I want to start by thanking the MDS podcast team for their continued collaboration. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Professor Britt Mollenhauer, an expert in neurochemistry and biomarkers and the co-chair of our new basic science special interest group. We are here today to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on research labs. How are you today, Professor Mollenhauer? Good, thank you very much. Looking forward to our conversation. All right, well then let's dive right in. Can you first tell us a little bit about your research labs, what you study, and what your setup is like? Right. So my I, my main interest research-wise is very translational. So I um, see patients a lot. So I have a 50% commitment with patients in the clinic, and then I have a 50% research position at the University of Göttingen. And since I do a lot of translational science, it's really all about looking for interesting patients, taking samples, analyzing it in the lab, and look out for other groups that may be interested in, in these samples or in further research to, to establish biomarkers in Parkinson's disease. All right. So you have both like a bench lab and a kind of clinical side to your lab then. Yeah, exactly. And the combination is actually great because, you know, I take the ideas from the patient to the lab and vice versa. So uh, it's really uh, very translational what I do. All right, so then when COVID showed up, how did that impact your research? I think when, when COVID was very active here in Germany, uh, since my research is very translational, our clinic was closed for about eight weeks because all our patients are really of high risk. They are very old, they have a lot of comorbidities and also the government asked us to really uh, send patients home who are not acutely ill. So we more or less closed to be open for other patients. And um, so I was mainly, mainly lacking patients at that time. But we continued with the study patients. So we continued to see patients who were on a pharmaceutical trial, not to stop their medication. And that was good. But in terms of research, it was sometimes really a little bit difficult to ship out samples to other labs. So, for example, there was a shipment to Luxembourg, what didn't get through the border. And so that was delayed. And I also ordered a few chemicals and antibodies, and this was a little bit delayed. But it was nothing really serious. I mean, I, I think overall, we were kind of lucky that things went on smoothly, mainly because my lab, my research lab is also in a clinic and that didn't close. I know other completely research-based uh, labs closed down and they really um, were in trouble. Yeah, that would be hard to suddenly stop everything. Yeah, exactly. When, when you have cell culture um, things going or even animal work, it's, it's really hard to stop immediately and, and to get going. 
were animal facilities still accessible for researchers during that time? So they were at our facility. I think not for all of them. So then thinking about when it was after that eight weeks and you were coming back to the clinic, how were your participants feeling? We kind of have to divide patients who were then treated again, which was good because some just waited for us to open up again to get treatment. But in, in terms of research patients, I mean, again, the patients for clinical trials, they still came in. And uh, we also continued with our observational cohort studies. So at least for DENOPA, we continued. PPMI was also uh, stopped. Uh, the good thing is that the study participants were really happy because overall it was a safe place. I've also started very, very soon to do swab tests for PCR on COVID-19 for every participant coming in. And also the study participants at each visit, they, they get this swab test. And uh, everybody here was not only wearing masks, but we really had FFP2 masks and uh, face shields and gloves and protection wear. So overall, I think we were equipped very well and patients felt very safe and also probably sometimes also glad to see a human being outside their other surrounding. You mentioned the precautions you needed to take on the clinical side. What about on the bench science side? Right. On the bench science side, again, we were lacking a few chemicals that didn't come in. So, so that was a little bit delayed. But overall, I mean, for myself, my personal experience, things were going on pretty smoothly. I know from other labs, not only Luxembourg, but New York, that were completely closed and not even open for any researcher. And that was, that was definitely strange. How have your colleagues who were closed for a while, have they been able to make up for lost time? Yeah, I think we, I mean, since we, we all don't travel that much right now, I think there is more time we are in the clinic or in, in the research lab to really catch up with what, what we haven't been able to do uh, in such a timely manner now. What about grant agencies? Have they been willing to work with investigators if things have been slowed? Are they giving allowances for that? The agencies that I work with were very generous. I mean, the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research, they were very, very open, very soon offering non-cost extensions. I mean, you would still have uh, additional costs because of you have to pay the staff, but overall, so far it went really smoothly and most of our staff is actually also kind of attached to the clinic so so we didn't really had major losses i would say and the agencies have been very supportive i would say i'm really thankful for that because that happened in in such a short time and they were really really very helpful that's great to hear all right we're going to shift a little bit on our topic here because i want to talk about how COVID-19 has influenced your direction of research. So have you had any changes in direction or new research questions you want to ask as the results of this pandemic? Right. I mean, overall, I have always been very interested in the cause of Parkinson's disease and maybe inflammation as a as a problem in Parkinson's disease, as a trigger maybe of Parkinson's disease. So overall, the, the topic is already uh, quite familiar, like if Parkinson's disease may be triggered by some inflammation from the outside. But of course, the pandemic really pushed this a little bit further. So uh, we really try to find now metabolites of 
bacteria or viruses to influence the disease and aging itself. And we also started to collect samples specifically from PD patients that have a higher antibody titer of antibodies against COVID-19 so that we could specifically do more research in, in this area in the, in the future. That's really interesting. I'm excited to hear more about that as, as you move forward with those studies. I'm sure you'll have some interesting, interesting papers to read. How about other kind of outside of your personal area of research? Is there any other questions related to the pandemic that you're hoping other investigators will pursue? Yeah, I think there were a couple of really interesting, I mean, the the amount of papers and research on, on now COVID-19 and other, uh, that, that's really interesting and, and a lot we can do here. And um, maybe something I, I would like to tell is that the hospital I work in, that's the Paracelsus Elena Hospital, and this was really found 1937 when another pandemic was in Europe. And uh, that was through the encephalitis lethargica that we had more PD patients in Europe. And then these PD specialized hospitals really came up. And that's really something that kind of we follow all the time with this question, how can maybe viruses also trigger disease or aging? And I think this research can really actually not only maybe help to elucidate the cause of Parkinson's disease, but really to help to understand aging itself. And then, of course, kind of prevent early or disease aging, like with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's disease. I would love to hear more about that, but we don't have enough time to really dive into some of those things. So instead, since we have a little bit of time left, I also wanted to take a few minutes here and talk about the new basic science special interest group here at MDS. This is a recently formed group chaired by Professor Svenningsen and Professor Mollenhauer. The chairs collected applications for and selected the steering committee members this past summer. They are currently meeting to start working on action plans to achieve their goals, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But first, if any of our listeners are interested in joining the special interest group, it's super easy. You need to go to your MDS account, make sure that you renew your membership for 2021. Then in your member profile, there's a section on that's labeled special interest group. And under that heading, you need to select basic science. You will then be set up to get all of the communications from the group, which will include ways for you to get involved. So Professor Mollenhauer, can you tell us what are the goals of the new basic science special interest group? Sure. First of all, Pear Svenningsen, myself and the steering committee are really happy for this group to be become more active very soon, I think. And we have already met um, now and will further meet on a regular basis. And I think it's really overwhelming how many people are interested to join the group and we are still happy for others to join. And I think the overall idea is really to bring together clinical or clinical neurologists doing movement disorders in the clinic and basic scientists. And the good thing is me being a clinician, I do know that I have a focus, but bringing people together who come from a different angle, like basic science, this can really improve our understanding of the disease and we can really do things beyond what we have done in the past. So I really see this as a big chance for clinical neurologists and basic scientists to look beyond their own focuses and to really improve the knowledge. And, and this is something which is 
a little bit new to the movement disorder society, I know, but it's it's something which we can really pursue. And I have been very fascinated about some basic science talks at the last virtual NDS meeting and uh, many others I now did too. And, and it's also vice versa. I mean, I have somebody in my lab who has no idea about Parkinson's disease and he's a bioinformatic person. And I bring him in the clinic to see a patient to get ideas that he will then translate into his calculations and everything. And so I think we all have, have our focus, but that's a really big chance to go beyond our focus and to really collaborate and do much more on, on this disease. So you kind of already addressed this, but I'm going to ask anyway, if someone's on the fence about should they join this or not, why should MDS members get involved with this special interest group? So I think we are looking for people who want to bring their ideas in how to move this forward. And our idea is really to have more basic science courses, um, then have more basic science topics at the MDS Congress uh, that happens annually. And we really want to promote translational research and kind of focus on a meeting from both sides. So from the clinicians and the basic scientists. And I think everybody can really help and we really need you and your ideas how to pursue this because I think that's really the best idea we have to to merge and to join forces and to really bring bring research further together. All right well that's all I have. Thank you so much Professor Mullenhauer. This was just a pleasure to chat with you and hear about what is going on in research labs and also to hear about our new special interest group and thank you to our listeners for your time. I'm Dr. Sarah Wallstrom-Helgren, and this is MDS Community Conversations.